ask. I won't be that guy. Um, you know, I'm really tempted to, but I won't. Yeah, exactly. Shut that teacher thing down. Um, so you had some homework last week, right? In your bulletin, it always has, like, make it yours in that box there. Right? In the bulletin, it says, make it yours. So that's always going to be the passage that we'll read you know, for the next week. So you have time throughout the week to take a look at it, dissect it, break it down, maybe look up some questions, um, write some things down that maybe strike you about it, and then we'll be talking about it on Sunday, and we'll see kind of like what happens, and hopefully what progress is made, or maybe how I made mud out of things, and at least we can talk about that. Um, so then make it yours. So for next week, next year, your homework for next year, isn't that crazy? Your homework for next year is uh, John 17. We're going to go back there. But for this Sunday was uh, Joshua chapter 3 and 4. So here's what I had on my heart and my, my mind this, uh, this morning. And what I think the audible is that God pulled here. Um, I couldn't get it out of my mind of the Spirit just laying on my heart, just the story of C.C. Nogi. We're just going to hear some, like, some stories today, just about our church, kind of how we got to where we got, what has happened in the midst, and some significant moments kind of along the way. And within that, we're going to talk about, um, well, my, the Murphy family you'll hear talked about because we've just, you know, we're... It's just part of our home, the C.C. Noggy. You know? So you can't really have our home and not have C.C. Noggy. They just dovetail together. It's just the way it happens. So you hear some of our family. You're going to hear some about uh, the church story. Um, and we're going to highlight some things. And, and from within that, we'll kind of like cast a vision, too, for the future of what, what I think God is, where he's going to take us and what he's going to do. So do you like listening to stories? Everybody likes good stories. But I promise we're going to read. So we're going to read now. And um, we'll just read through the whole thing and, and then we'll get to the story. We'll dissect it a little bit and we'll get to some stories. Okay, so chapter 4. And you know what? Yeah, we're going to back up a little bit. We're going to do a little bit of reading. So make sure you got your Bible or you're looking on somebody's next to you. You're on your phone checking it out. We're going to start in chapter 3. We're going to start in, uh, oh boy, we're going to do a little bit of reading. All right, chapter 3, verse 3. You ready? Can you handle the reading? Say, we are adults. <laughs> we can do it. Yes. Adults that are childlike. Here we go. So verse 3 says, uh, giving orders to the people. So when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Okay, so they're going to follow the ark when it moves. We're good? We're good. Verse 4. Then you will know which way to go. So they're not moving unless they see the ark moving, right? So since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark, don't go near it. So Joshua, we say Joshua. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That's a good word. Verse 6, Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. So the Ark went in front. 
Verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go stand in the river. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the mosquito bites, all of them. All those guys. Verse 11. See, the ark of the covenant of the land of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve. Everybody say twelve. Choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream, they will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So the ark's going in front, right? Everybody's supposed to be following that, right? Joshua said, hey, bring it in there. Bring it right to the edge of the water. As soon as you get in there, the water's just going to stop flowing. It's going to pile up like a heap. (laughs) Okay. Verse 14. So when the people broke camped across the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan River is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of that place there. And then it says, uh, while the water flowing down to the sea or the salt sea was completely cut off. So it stopped off in one town kind of upstream and then cut off down um, a little bit of ways downstream near the salt sea. That's where it piled up. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Sound familiar? Jericho, 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 right? March around the city, blow your trumpets, the walls fall crumbling down, right? All that stuff. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan... Say, that's a lot of people. Say, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people, the whole nation. We're talking possibly millions. It's a long time. Say, cross the Jordan. The Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones. Everybody say, stones. From the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign. Everybody say sign. There is a sign among you in the future, and when your children ask you, what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial, I would say memorial, to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, 
according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the ark of the covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Verse 10. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people just as Moses had directed Joshua. Say, that's a long time. That's a long time. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of blah, 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 verse 13, about 40,000 armed for battle, that's just the people armed for battle, crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. Verse 14, that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Testimony, that's the Ark of the Covenant, to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded them, come up out of the Jordan River, guys. Verse 18, and the priest came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. And verse 19, we're finishing up here. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal. Everybody say Gilgal. Gilgal. On the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Woo! Wow! It's a lot going on there, right? It's amazing. It's awesome. So let's pray first. Let's pray before we get into it. So, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your truth that you have in your word for us. We thank you that we live in a generation to where we can actually look back and see how faithful you are, and it's recorded for us. When they're in the moment and they reach the water's edge, they don't exactly know for sure if you're going to show up. But, Father, we get to look back and know for sure. And I pray that that would strengthen our faith, and I pray that it would encourage us to take new steps of faith in our own lives, Lord, because you are faithful and you do show up. Jesus' name, amen. So um, I started using a, uh, so my schedule is like insane and it continues to be more insane, and then now we're going to add a third little one to the mix, and so it's double insane. And so I've noticed in my life I have to get really good at a calendar, which I'm not necessarily a huge fan of, but I have to get good at it, and I'm getting better. I am not perfect, but I'm getting better. Julie's like, you're not. But I'm getting better. And just, just usually the best way it works out for me is if I do a little calendar thing on my phone, and I literally put everything in there at every second. So I'm at the doctor's office, I'm checking out, I'm putting it in there. If I'm at work and i got meetings, i got to put it in there like immediately, because if I don't, I forget, I double book, and then I'm a bad person. And I don't want to be a bad person. 
So there's a feature on the calendar there that helps me a lot, and I've started using it a lot more. The feature on the calendar is a little reminder. So you can put your event into the calendar, and then you have a choice if you're going to put a reminder option attached with it. I never used to use it before, but I found that recently I need to use it, and I need the reminder usually like a day ahead of time and then like an hour beforehand. just helps me, because even though it's on the calendar, it doesn't exactly mean that I remember to look at the calendar that is there. It's all very confusing. So I found that that reminder, when that thing goes off, it helps me to prepare for what might be coming up, whether it's a meeting or event. So like, hey, we got to go to the doctor, so make sure bags are packed. You know, we're doing whatever. We got to bring the kids somewhere. We got pajamas in the bags. That's all set. Got to go meet with somebody. Was I supposed to read something? I was supposed to print something out. So if I look, that reminder goes off, I'm given enough time to have some understanding of what I'm about to walk myself into. And what it does is it helps bring some peace because I'm able to prepare a little bit for what's going to happen. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm not sh- I can see all these things happening, but I know that this reminder is going to remind me that it's going to happen. I've noticed that if I put an event into the calendar and I don't use the reminder, and then I'm like, oh, no, I'm supposed to go to that thing. What happens is it gets real chaotic and frenzied really fast. Because a lot of times it's probably something important and it's probably something I'm supposed to be doing that's significant. It's probably supposed to read something, be prepared in some way, shape, or form, so I have something to offer to what I'm about to go to. I go to very few things where I can just like chillax and not do anything. So like I need to usually do something. And I'm like, oh no, now I'm like, I'm running upstairs. I gotta print this off and I gotta go get this and I gotta go get this thing. I'm like, oh I never read that other thing, you know. So it becomes really frenzied and chaotic. I think for a lot of Christians, their life many ways can be described as frenzied and chaotic and anxious. Unfortunately, for way too many Christians. And I feel like if there was an opportunity, a way for them to be reminded of who they are, who they serve, who their father is, and what he's done in the past, it would make for a very much more calming lifestyle. Not just determined by personality. Oh, they're just laid back. Oh, they're just more hyperactive. Be that as it may, there's still inside of us a place to where we can function in peace. And many times, like, a reminder, especially with God, helps us do that. Because the Christian is called to walk by faith. And a lot of times we're in relationship with a God that we can't, not ever, but not a lot of times, we can't see like and look at his face, just put our arms around him, sit down, and just his body presence is right there across from the table, and we can just kind of hash things out. So usually when we can't see things, we can forget. And then if you throw a devil into the mix, he's trying to conceal and distract us from what God the Father does. 
So the life of faith can then be like really confusing and be difficult. And so from our story that we read here, basically God set up a situation to say, hey, listen, I'm coming through for you. I don't want you to forget this. So you need to establish a pile of rocks. And with that pile of rocks, you're going to tell your kids about it, you're going to tell future generations about it. I think that's significant because at that point in time, God is telling them, hey, listen, it's really important that you remember who I am and what I do for you. You need to be intentional about remembering that and knowing that. So, a couple of things. As you look in your bulletin there, God used blank, blank, blank as reminders. God used what? What do you think? Blank, blank, blank. Making piles of rocks. There we go. Making piles of rocks. There's, I just said four words. There's three blanks. Oh, well. Right? Making piles of rocks. Okay? So God set up a situation to where they didn't have their you know, calendar app and go through things. And, but he did realize that there's a necessity for us to be reminded about who he is and how faithful he is and what he does. So in this situation... He set up piles of rocks as a reminder of who God is and what he's capable of doing. So the question is, why would he set up a pile of rocks like that? I got a twofold answer for you. Number one, God had a goal with what he was doing with those pile of rocks. He had a goal. What was his goal? Well, we just read. Number one, his goal is he wanted to exalt Joshua as the new leader. Moses had gone. And he was like the man. And everybody knew he was the man, and he talked with God, and he knew God. So as Joshua goes, he's kind of the new guy. He wasn't really quite functioning yet in a way like Moses had. So they're probably like, I don't know about this new young guy, and I don't know. He was like with Moses and hung out with him, but I guess we'll see. But God is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to establish you in this situation right now, so there'll never be a doubt ever again. So he wanted to exalt Joshua. He also wanted to perpetuate his faithfulness. Say perpetuate. His faithfulness. That's what he wanted to do. So God had a goal. He wanted to exalt Joshua, and he wanted to perpetuate his faithfulness to make sure that they knew how faithful he is and to make sure the younger ones knew how faithful he is. Okay? So God had a goal with the rocks. where He wanted to exalt Joshua and perpetuate how faithful he is. And then the other goal that he had... It's really a message. He wanted to communicate something to them. So he's trying to deliver a goal. God had a goal. Exalt Joshua. Perpetuate his faithfulness. And then he wanted to communicate a message with those rocks. Here's the message. The message was, be intentional in your relationship with me. Be intentional in your relationship with me. Intentional. That means, like, not passively kind of, God is in control, and he would just kind of do whatever as long as I'm doing whatever. That's not the Christian life. Not at all. Not something that we're called to. He's saying be intentional. We say intentional. Intentional. So in what ways? I'm glad that you asked. These ways. Be intentional about remembering. We say remember. 
remembering. So if they were to look and see a pile of rocks, and this is not just like a one isolated incident. God had told his nation, his people many times, pile of rocks, pile of rocks, pile of rocks. So it would be when a Hebrew saw a pile of rocks, that'd be like, that'd be like comforting. I'd be like, oh, and like safety. So if you knew you were going into, uh, you know, uh, Zebulun's tent over there, and he's got all his rocks hanging outside of his tent, you know, they put rocks up inside their tent, they had rocks in the back of their tent, like, man, I want to hang out near this family. Right? Because you'd see all of this. You might not even know the stories, but you'd see them all. Like, wow. Yeah. And then you'd just start be looking for some rocks, you know, and putting some around your house. Just the visual effect of seeing those clicks a reminder in our brains that, oh, yeah, God is real. And it brings a little bit of comfort and a little bit of security that his presence is there just by the sight of them being there. I tried, I tried to write down some things like some people might relate to is when you see things, it brings like some comfort and security. Um, one thing I put down is a desk free of paper mountains. Kind of does that. I feel like if you walk into an office, like, you know, my office at school or my office at home, yes. Um, the paper mountains don't help. Like you just walk in and you're like, I don't want to sit in there. I don't know. I don't want to touch it. Like just, I already have work to do, and then that's like more work. I don't even want to. So it stays there. Um, but it brings, like, you walk into a nice clean office, like, oh, I want to sit in my chair, and I forgot how comfortable this is and how nice this space is. Like, when I work, I'm like, I can grade papers here. I have space to move. So another one I put down, <laughs> I'm kind of weird, but um, in case you didn't know, so after you vacuum, you know how it leaves those lines in the rug? That's weird how it brings like a, ah, it's clean. It like brings a weird thing, right? It does that. Uh-huh, some of you know. Yeah, what's a vacuum? Well, like when you go to the doctor, right, nurse, you're like an extreme amount of pain, you're at your wit's end, and you've been waiting and telling people all the history and all the background, you finally see a doctor walk in, and you're like, ah. Oh, now we're going to get somewhere, fine, right? So like these visual sights of things, not that that doctor provided any answers, right? So-and-so may have done a horrible job vacuuming. If you see the lines, it kind of feels a little bit better. If that paper mountain moved into the closet, thrown in there somewhere, but if you just look there, it just looks better there, right? Just that sight brings an ability to start to remember. So that's when it would be intentional. It's just about seeing piles. Another way to be intentional is about acknowledging. What did he tell them to do? He told them to do in verse uh, 5 through 7, and then later on he said, listen, this pile, tell your kids about it. Tell the future. Tell other people about it. So we're called to acknowledge. Acknowledge it. So we've got to remember, right? We can do that by seeing. We've got to acknowledge. We can do that by talking, by telling about it. Helps out a lot. Helps us remember Instead of, oh, yeah, he did that thing way back when. Um, it's almost like, you know, when you come home from a day and somebody asks you how your day was? Most times it's like, eh, you know, I did our thing. You know. Oh, okay, cool. And then you move on to like the next thing. But probably throughout the day, there was all kinds of things that happened. And for the Christian, 
I'm sure the Holy Spirit was at work doing something either in your heart, in your mind, around you, something. And we can easily forget it unless we get into a convo with somebody later and just we start to talk and walk through and be like, oh, it brings, helps us remember again maybe what ha- may have happened. So talking helps do it. And when you're seeing it and you're talking about it, that absolutely helps with believing it. Believing, just trusting. It makes it easier now. It makes it easier to trust. If you can see those pile of rocks, you get to talk about each story attached to those rocks. Guess what? When something else comes next time and it seems scary and it doesn't seem like there's much hope or future there, you're probably going to go back to those pile of rocks and start talking about it and looking at them, being like, yeah, and I remember when. But if that stuff is never there, it makes it really difficult to then move on in faith this way. Because we need to have a substance for our faith. Something significant behind it. Most of us, that's what we need. We need to see something, talk about something. We need to have like some history to it. So then we can move on. That's why it's so important for Christians who just enter into the kingdom, just develop their walks with Christ, to man just be spending time with them, writing things down, having their eyes open, be really in tune with what God might be doing and saying. Because there's not a lot of history there in a relationship with him. It's just building. It's like when you go to the doctor, and if you go to any legit doctor, they write you a prescription if you need it, but you can't read it. Legit doctors can't write well, right? That's a thing. So you go there, you get a prescription, they write it. Now you trust the source... They're credible too. They're a doctor, right? Seen them before, whatever, whatever. They write you something you can't even understand. But you take that thing, you can't even, if you were to look at it and read it, you can't understand it, but you know who wrote it. And then you, take, you activate your faith and your trust in them by then bringing it to the prescription people and say, hey, fill this thing. I can't read, but I know it's good because of so-and-so. I know it's good because of so-and-so. And then what we do is they fill it and then we take it, and then we do whatever they tell us to do with it. That's the way faith has to work. Like, we need a point of substance. And having those piles of rocks and remembering that and having a story to it helps put a substance behind our faith so it's not just wishful thinking anymore. So then we activate our faith now by carrying it out. Well, what exactly are you going to do next? I don't really know. What is God saying to do? I'm not really quite sure, but I do know he said this one thing. Well, what about all this other stuff? I don't really know. But I know that the substance is good, and so I'm just going. Does that make sense? Piles of rocks, stories, help us do this. So, I'll show you a couple of stories. So, and people are like, finally. Um... But it's important that you hear that because it's totally biblical and encouraged, in fact, commanded in this case. Be intentional about what I'm doing in your life. You can't forget, probably will forget. And it's true we have Holy Spirit now where they didn't have him then. But even still, we still need we get distracted way too easily, and there's an enemy that just distracts us and just conceals things and make it difficult to find stuff that God is doing. So for our church family, so 
it, we didn't read it, but in chapter 3, verses um, 1 through 3, but we let a, read a little bit of 4 and 5. It said basically they can't move until the ark moved, right? Remember God said don't move until the ark moves. So you stay still, you don't move until the ark moves. And then it stays in front of you, and wherever it goes, you go. So when we were um, kind of had the okay from um, a couple of pastors, you know, for the church plan, he felt they felt that it was like a good thing, God was in it, hey, let's move forward. So a year and a half before we had any services, we would get together and we would pray. And there's a particular uh, book that we went through, and it also went with the Bible. And we would just pray, though, because we realized and we understood that we're not trying to create some kind of nice people group that gets together. We want to have a situation where we understand God's heart together and we're able to move together with whatever he's doing. How many people know that takes time for a group of people to be able to do something like that? It takes time. And it's worth everything in the world to invest into that. The kingdom is not made up of people, one person just hears from God and just steamrolls everybody and leaves casualties all along the way. It's not the way it works. We're purposely called to be in community and be in family with each other and help carry each other along the way. So we met for like, yeah, like a year and a half, you know, before anything even happened. And then we did kind of the marketing thing where you print all the, the bulletins and you do the, tell everybody about it and you promote it on Facebook and you do all this stuff, you know. So then we are at the Elks Lodge, Crosstown, right? That's just, yeah, that was a disaster. So we're at the Elks Lodge and the Elks Lodge is, it was commonplace to have spilt kegs on the floor before we're trying to set up tables and chairs. Shriek like alcohol. It wasn't the most clean place, but we tried to make it clean. And, um, yeah, it was an adventure. So, we're there at the Elks Lodge. I remember that first Sunday. And, I mean, man, we prayed for like a year and a half. Really saw God's heart. Printed all this stuff. We illegally... Um, posted on people's cars all like the cards that we made. 10, 10, 10. That's 10, that's illegal. Can't do stuff like that. But we did it. And I okayed it, yes. And so we did all that stuff. So we're like, man, you know, we, uh, let's see what God does, you know, that first Sunday. So we had, I think it was 12 actually, I think it was 12 people showed up to help set up, put it all together. And we're there. Year and a half of praying, and we passed out probably 2,500, 3,000 of those cards, just like Walmart, Stop and Shop. We did the mall, we did all kinds of stuff. So we think it maybe get five people, maybe 20 people. They're at least like, you know, a handful. We had more people there setting up and doing things than people that actually can. Talk about a shot to the heart. I was like, Lord, what is your deal? We, tried, we were trying to be faithful here, like we year and a half, praying, did all the stuff we thought we should do, and blah. That doesn't seem like a real positive pile of rocks, but it's a, it's a significant pile of rocks. Let me tell you why. Because not every pile of rocks works out in our favor. Because the pile of rocks is not about my favor, it's about his will. 
Does that make sense? Because here's what that does. That makes me, that makes Julie, that makes our crew start to think, geez, so we can kind of be under the impression that if things go really smoothly and all the ducks line up in a row, God's definitely in it. That is not necessarily kingdom principle rule of thumb. Just because doors open, things fall into place, oh, it must be God, definitely not the case. All you got to do is just look at, through the Bible, a lot of stories, but you just look at one guy named Paul. Beaten, imprisoned, flogged, shipwrecked. A lot of things falling apart, and he was completely in the middle of what God had for him. So then we're faced as a group, like, Jesus, God even in this thing? Does he even care? Is it even significant what we're doing right now? So it causes us to wrestle with that. That's a pile of rocks to me. I'm a weirdo. But I get it. That's a pile of rocks. It's not about me. It's about him. So then we move forward a little bit. A few more people start to come. The sisters then start to show up. hey Then uh, we have an awesome young woman. Clarissa starts to show up. She was tremendous. Miss her big time. Um, Then we get this older gentleman, this older gentleman, George. And uh, he was was just a straight shooter, (laughs) not always there kind of guy. He was about 80. When we first met him, he was 80 years old. Um, And I remember when he came the first day, he had his name badge on. He was all dressed up. And uh, totally out of place in our atmosphere. And, um, and then he just kept coming. He kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And sometimes, like, his alarm, he would forget to go off. Talk about a guy who needed a reminder. But sometimes the alarm would go off, and he would come to the Elks Lodge literally, like, 45 minutes late. We were just about to end, like, last song, finish up. And here comes George. He'd come in, and there was, like, five of us. He'd come in and just sit down. <laughs> like, hey, George. And, uh, but this guy, man, so then he, um, he started to uh, get sick on his way towards passing away, came into relationship with Jesus Christ. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And a pile of rocks was, he would ask me to come over towards the end. He'd come to his house. He'd say, hey, pastor, are you going to come over to the house? I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll come by the house. I said, uh, I, said, I said, what do you want me to do? I said, what? He goes, I just want you to read to me. I said, just tell me what you talk about on Sunday, and then just read to me. I said, okay. I said, I can do that. So I go to his house, and uh, his wife would be there. His wife never came to the service. But he came faithfully each time. And we had talk, uh, times to talk, um, but I would just go there and just read with him. Just read with him. You know? It's a pile of rocks. It's a pile of rocks. I remember uh, another significant pile of rocks is uh, I used to have to go to Office Max in, uh, in Waterbury, and it was, like, so annoying because I'd have to go there, and they're closed now, but I'd have to go there and print off the bulletins for each um, Sunday morning because we didn't have a printer. I mean, we literally had no money, no nothing. Like, you need to understand that this church plant came out of zero dolores. Nothing. Nada. Like, literally, I went to the pastor, like, one of the main funding churches, Calvary Chapel, Uncasville, and said, hey, 
we need some money for a website. I told him like a hundred times. And I drove to his house in New London. We need money for a website, Joe. <laughs> He's listening like, okay, okay. And then he just takes care of it right there. I'm like, why'd you make me wait so long to do this thing? And then we got like, we just like got all these speakers and all kinds of different things and pot in my truck and brought it over. And... So it was a huge deal to be able to then buy a printer. That was huge. I remember uh, talking with other like um, church pastors, like, so how's it going? What's going on? I'm like, oh, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's hard. It's just, it's hard. And um, I said, but we got a printer. <laughs> it's a pile of rocks right there. God provided that printer. It's a big deal. It's a pile of rocks. And then if we fast forward, we, we came to a place. There's another pile of rocks. Again, this is about his will, not ours, right? Are you with me? So don't be hesitant to start building a pile of rocks when you're stressing out and flipping out and things seem impossible. Please know this that that rock pile is only going to get higher. Because he will come through and be faithful. Just don't bail out. Don't bail out. So, another pile of rocks. So, we're, uh, we're in the Elks Lodge. There's probably a whopping seven of us this Sunday morning. I tell you what, that takes its toll on you after a while. It's like, dang, what are we doing? You know, like, I'd like to come to an area and be impactful in some way, shape, or form. That seems to be the way that God would do something. So I remember we were there. Music was going. Julia was just a wreck. And uh, so I come over, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm like, hey, what's going on?" She goes, "She goes, what are we doing?" She's like, "What is God doing right now?" And then she just like falls. She's just a mess, you know, just crying. And and my heart ached because I felt the same way. But I really did feel like God having us do this thing. So I'm like, ah. So I don't have much of an answer, to be honest with you. It's like, well, it looks pretty crappy. And I, I don't know. Nothing I can really say to uh, help a broken heart right now. All I can really do is just be there, put my hand on her back, give her a hug. and I don't know, babe. So, so then, I might cry during this one. This is a big one. So then we're at a, uh, we're at a New Year's party or a Christmas party. I forget what it was. And... Um, we're at a friend's house. We're there. I don't think we had any kids at this No, we didn't have any kids at this point yet, early on. And we could sleep and have a life. Um, so, uh, no, they're awesome. They enrich your life. It's, it came out wrong. Um, so, uh, so, at this party, I get a phone call. I see it, and I'm like, ah, you know, I'll call him back. And um, so then we're on the way home. And I call, call back, and uh, it's, uh, so my brother-in-law's mom, and she's like, hey, she's like, I was, in, uh, I was in church, and I was in a prayer room, and I was praying, and I felt like God put something on my heart for you. She's like, I wrote an email, I sent it already, she's like, but I just wanted to tell you guys. And I'm like, oh, geez, things aren't going real great as it is, let's just, whatever, you know, whatever the news is, let's just see what it is. So I put on speakerphone. And she just, so she's, she lays it out there. She goes, she goes, listen, you guys are called to, I'm going to try not to lose it. She goes, you guys are called to keep your hand to the plow. 
She goes, don't you guys quit. She goes, don't you give in. She goes, you got, and we are like I am now, but we're in the car together and I'm driving and it's on speakerphone and we're crying as we're going down the road. And she's like talking about this. And she's like, you got to keep your hand on top. She's like, don't lose faith. God, God will be with you guys. But the phrase she kept saying was, keep your hand to the plow, keep your hand to the plow, keep your hand. I was like, oh my Lord. Like, That's not what I wanted to hear. And uh, so we're just a wreck, you know, in that car. And so I remember afterwards, I'm like, man, I wonder if that was just, oh, thank you. The snot all over it. I got, you know, my snot now, the boy's snot is just the snot, snot house. But um, so. So that's a pile of rocks because I'm like, well, Lord, if that's from you, man, number one, if that's not from you and you let that message come through and wreck us like that, I'm really going to have an issue with you. That's God's honest truth because I'm like, man, Lord, if that's the end right now and you're letting that one come through, that's like, what is that? That's crushing. But something about it resonated because she had no idea what was going on and what we were talking about and what was happening and she she really had no idea. I mean, she, she hasn't been here. She's still in California. They had no idea what was going on. And it's not like she's ever asked about the church or knew anything. You know, it's just, boom, just laid it out there. So that's a pile of rocks. Because I'm like, dang, we were, you know, not much going on. Not much going on at all. And he's saying, hey, stay faithful. Keep your hand to the plow. And then as we fast forward a little bit, we get, end up getting this building. Julie really finds it. She's, so, so we're at the Elks Lodge. It was like around Christmas time. They were telling us, like, hey, listen, um, we're going to be redoing the lodge. We're going to do a bunch of like, improvements, and we'll let you know kind of what that looks like and how it's going. We're like, all right, you know, that's, you know, just let us know. So we come in one Sunday, and they're like, hey, next week we're starting our renovations. I said, next week? I'm like, they're like, yeah, I'm like, you let me know a week beforehand. I said, I thought you guys like were months away. Like, no, you know, we're going to start it right away. And I'm like, oh, my, that's awesome. So we end up having that service. And then for a couple of months, you know, we didn't have service at all. And we're like, geez, you know, what's the deal now? So this must be God saying, hey, I'm not really in this. We're not doing this. Let's do something else. Never really quite got that feeling or hearing from God. But it certainly looked like it. So then we're like praying, looking around different places, and so Julie's like doing her thing on the internet, you know, looking around. She's like, hey, do you know there's a Lutheran church in town with two buildings? I'm like, there is? She's like, yeah. She's like, unless it's a huge church. She's like, you know, maybe there's something there. I'm like, all right, I'll go check it out. You know, so we go check it out, and it ends up being God's will and favor that, you know, we would be here, and they were super accommodating, super friendly. Worked out awesome. So pile of rocks there. Then... We have like this older woman that's coming for a while, um, Terry, Terry Ramsey. So she's coming, and she uh, she's been coming for a long time, been around the Christian walk for a long time, thirty plus years, but never really, I don't know, connected with the heart of God in a meaningful way that just really rocked her. So I remember after church one day, we were downstairs. And actually, my sister was here, and we need to do, she really wants some prayer. Tara's like, man, I just need some prayer. I'm just struggling. She's like, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't know how God could love me. I just don't feel worthy enough. 
I really see how often I fall short and I'm not understanding how this works. And when someone pours out their heart like that, you can give them all the theology answers you want, but they need like something from God in that moment. And I've been around long enough to know that I'm not going to try and just come up with something. Like we just, God needs to say something. So my sister happened to be right there, so I'm like, Jordan, why don't you come on in? Let's, let's pray. So we were downstairs in the little nursery room, you know, off to the side. So we went in there. I think somebody else was in there. I don't remember who. But we start praying, and she is a wreck. I mean, just weeping like crazy, just crying. You know, Jordan and I, we kind of open our eyes during the prayer, and we're like, you know, is she okay? You know, what's going to happen here? So then we see her again. I talked to her throughout the week. We see her again on Sunday. And man, she looked just so light. And just so, and then she came up here in front of everybody. She's like, I've been following the Lord for 30 years. I gave my heart to him 30 years ago. And I'd never known how much he loved me, how I'm approved and accepted by him, and I can live in grace. She's like, I've never known that until right now. That was a pile of rocks. It's like, dang, Lord, that's tremendous. So life forever changed. Jeez, I just got a whole bunch here. But, you know, as we move forward here, and there's just a lot more. And sometimes they're big and radical like a river being stopped. And it's interesting that they said they picked those rocks up on their shoulders. They must have been like some pretty big, heavy rocks, you know? Dang. But I don't feel that God is at all done with piling some rocks with our small church family. And I feel like 2015 was a pretty significant year in a lot of ways. But 2016, I feel like, is going to be... Like, there's a shift and a shaking happening. It's different. Something's going on. And I know that. And um, it's felt in the prayer meetings. It's... it's and one pile of rocks I didn't tell everybody about, I know I'm midstream in the middle of the thought, but it just got on. But another pile of rocks that's just been huge throughout the years is how each one of you, like your hearts and your homes, have been transformed to a way where God has now been given the reins of your life. That is a monumental pile of rocks that I, I, I can't even, that's like speechless. Because that means somehow we've like positioned ourselves so then God can just do his work in a home and in a heart. And if we're a significant part of that equation, amen, praise the Lord. That's all that matters. And remember, God takes people and brings them, and that's been heart-wrenching along the way. Like, good people come, and then God takes them away. It's like, ah, don't even bring them. But, you know, it's like... But that's really the truth, you know? God, bring them here, then let them go. You know, what are they going to do? Or, shoot, build them up here for a while. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's disciple well and keep them around for a while. Um, but I do feel like 2016 is going to be different. Um, it's going to be unique. Uh, it's, there's a good chance it's going to bring us as a church family to some things that are unfamiliar and possibly uncomfortable for us. Um, but the truth of the matter is, we, gotta be, we at least got to get our toes to the edge of the water. 
I mean, that's what we got to do. That's what we're called to do. I am sure there is many conversations in that Hebrew camp of possibly millions, the whole nation there. This guy is ridiculous. God already did it. He's trying to like redo it again? I don't think so. You know, I'm sure there was doubt and conversations the whole way. And then they walk up to the water. Everything just looks as it is. And then they stick their feet in the water. And then the ark goes and everything parts. They had no guarantee visually of what was going to happen. And I think God is going to do a lot of that in our hearts and in our homes, you know, come 2016. And I'm really looking forward to it. Because here's the truth. The truth is, I want lots of piles of rocks. The other side of that truth is, I don't usually like how God gets those pile of rocks. That's brutal. (laughs) Some days it's really awesome and really joyous, and I'm really loving it. And other times, it's really difficult and really hard. But I want the pile of rocks. Because at the end of the day, that's all I want my life and our church to be about. What has God done? What is he doing? We're called to be a family of people that can easily recall and remember who he is and what he does. When you have a Christian that can easily recall and remember God's faithfulness with details they're not going to be running through life real frantic, real frenzied, real chaotic. They have it fresh in their mind of who he is and what he's capable of doing. And that's where I feel like he's calling us to be. That's where he's calling us to be. So what can we do? Last thought here. We're taking communion. So here's what we can do. Number one, we can, I hope we do, we make a pile of rocks in public. We make a pile of rocks in public. That's what they did. They made a pile of rocks in public. They brought it to their camp, and then they brought it to you guys, said out loud, Gilgal, right? Place where they set it up. Their kids saw it. Everybody saw it. Making a pile of rocks. Making that thing public. This is what God does. And then talking about. That's why it's like pretty much impossible to have a secret Christian life. We've got to be vocal and talk about stuff. It's craziness to just... Think that we can just be a light and a witness without actually talking in detail about what God is and who he does. It's craziness to think that. But here's the other thing. So you make some rock piles public and you make some rock piles privately. Here's why I say privately. is because in that passage, I think it was verse uh, 8 or 9, NIV doesn't do a good job. But the King James, the new King James, does a great job. It says that Joshua... We'll look at it right here. Uh, verse 8 and 9. Yeah, verse 9. And I'm going to read it in the King James. Verse 9, it says this. It says, Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. In verse 9, it's very clear that there was two piles of rocks. One was in public. They tell their kids about They tell everybody about. Verse 9 is made more clear with the New King James, the better translation, that there was a second pile that was set up in the river by Joshua himself. So, of course, my temptation is like, oh, I want to go see it. You know, it was, you know thousands of years ago. It's probably not there, you know, or people have made up fake ones, whatever they do. 
but we're called to make them in public and we're called to make them in private. Like, there's some things privately in my heart and in my life, man, I know, I know that I know God showed up and he did it. There'll just be a lot of things I just don't share here. It's just me and God. That's us stuff. Not everything is everybody's stuff. There's stuff that's just us stuff. You know? It's our relationship. And that helps build me into the son that he's called me to be. You know? So I'm not living off of every other buddy's piles of rocks. Because that's no good. That's secondhand information. That, that's, that's like living off Twinkies. Like, you can't do that. You need satisfying meals that are full meals that completely nourish you. And we only get that in one way with our Heavenly Father and being in a relationship with Him. Otherwise, we get addicted to everybody else's story and whatever they say. Man, He's looking to build radical stories and piles of rocks in each of our lives. I just hope we got some courage to step our little feet up to the water and say, all right, now you do your thing. Amen? All righty. Here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to do some communion. And um, I got the elements up here. And Eric, um, as you do communion, you can just play kind of softly that, uh, that last song we got on there, you know? Um, so the elements are up here. And I'll tell you what, this is like a pile of rocks right here, right? Do this in remembrance of me. So we have time and a place right now to do it. So Eric will play the, song, uh, the music. If you'd like to come up, take communion. Elements are there. Hold on to it, and then we'll take it together.